episode 285, bonus edition, interview with Nicole Turner, part two. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hi, Elite Educators. Gretchen here of Always the Lesson, your host of the Empowering Educators podcast. I get excited about interview podcasts, but this one has me super excited because it's a dear friend of mine, but also an amazing colleague. We have conversations that run the gamut. You would die laughing if you were a fly on the wall listening to all our jokes and the way we push each other to become better humans and better educators, the way we pick on each other. I'm just so thankful for the stranger who has totally become a friend all because of the virtual world. You have heard her before. She was on episode 80. Holy cow. We're on 265. This was way back when. <laughs> uh, Nicole Turner. You'll have to look that up. This will be the episode 2.0, a continued conversation years later. But it's going to be interesting to catch up with her because last time you heard from her, she shared with us how hard it was to get to where she was as an educator. She had a house break in. She's a single mom through numerous broken relationships, holding down multiple jobs, failing certification exams, losing teaching jobs because of budget cuts and staying strong with an ailing parent. And through luck and blessings, things got well on the way. And to hear where she is now is like, holy cow, inspirational. And many of you know her from her summit that she does for instructional coaches. I get to present with her often there, and I'm just so thankful she put that together. But anyway, before we dive into this conversation, our 2.0 conversation, because I'm excited to you know, continue where we left off and get updated and inspire you some more with a story, a lesson, some practical tips. You know how we do on here. But I did want to share a little bit more about her updated resume and what she's been doing. So let me fill you in first. So Nicole Turner is a K-12 educational coach, author, speaker, trainer, and school improvement specialist, founder and CEO of Simply Coaching and Teaching. She is also the founder of Simply Coaching Summit. That's the first virtual summit exclusively for instructional coaches and teacher leaders. Nicole specializes in helping instructional coaches master their roles and helping teachers use engaging activities in the classroom. She has 18 plus years of K-12 classroom and leadership experience and positions such as classroom teacher, lead teacher, differentiated accountability coach, district and building level instructional coach, assistant principal, dean of students, advanced diagnostic review team member, and school improvement and turnaround specialist for the Indiana Department of Education. 
Woo! Holy cow. She is all over the place. She is a wealth of knowledge. She is someone who knows a lot about a lot. And I'm so thankful she's in my corner. She has also worked with thousands of educators, instructional coaches, and administrators across the United States through conferences, one-to-one and small group coaching, and custom PD sessions. Her professional memberships include Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, National Sorority of Phi Delta Kappa, Indiana State Teacher Association, Indiana State Reading Association, and the Indiana Council of Teachers and Mathematics. She's the author of two public books, Simply Instructional Coaching, Questions Asked and Answered from the Field, and the S-I-M-P-L-E, Simple Blueprint for Instructional Coaching Workbook, and the creator of the Track My Coaching Planner and the Simply Coaching Hub. Like I said, she's got it all and she is here to help you ensuring that you grow, that you stay up to date on best practices and that you receive the support you need to be your best. Nicole is a candidate for a doctor of education and curriculum instruction at Oakland City University with research focused on the professional development of instructional coaches. And when Nicole's not serving in various educational roles, she can be found spending time with her family, which consists of a supportive fiance, three biological children and three bonus children. So now that we know about her, let's jump in our conversation because clearly you are pumped to hear from such a knowledgeable, talented leader in education. Hey, Nicole, welcome back to the show. Hey, Gretchen. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was just chatting with everyone and told them you were on episode 80 and now we're on 265. Oh God, it's been that long. It's been so (laughs) So long. We were actually talking before we got on air here um, about my littlest and Nicole knew me while I was pregnant before I had any kids. And we were just joking about stories I had told her over the years of my oldest. And so that's how long we've known each other, but we only recently met in person. I know it was such an awesome experience. We spent like, well, we met earlier last year and then Mm -hmm. we got the opportunity to um, spend a couple of days together at a conference. That was was a lot of time making up for lost time. And we stayed in the exact same room, which was amazing. She got to see (laughs) all of the craziness that I do every day. I did warn them a little bit about like, we're different. We pick on each other, but that's just how it goes. Absolutely. But we challenge each other and push each other and coach each other. And I totally love that. Like that is so amazing that you can find virtual friends that become best of friends and family, really. Oh, so sweet. So update us. How are you doing? So I'm surviving. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to argue and tell you that you are thriving since I've watched your journey unfold, literally struggle bus to this amazing entrepreneur, um, because you hustle. And I've always joked about how much you hustle, how tired you must be and how tired I am thinking about how hard you hustle. Um, it's pretty amazing. So where did things leave off? I think last time you were still in a classroom. No, you were at a school-based coaching and yeah. I would talk to you in the car during your lunch break because you're like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I need yes. To. So we would oh, talk. God. So episode so 80 was all the way back to talking about my teacher journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like how I became a teacher. So that was like about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So in five or six years, things have definitely changed. Um, I am no longer in the schools. Actually, I'm working with and helping coaches. Um, Where did you principals. go afterwards though? Tell us and, and Okay, so let's go back. Um, when I did that episode, I was 
at, hmm, I was at a, oh, I was at a middle high school. So I was coaching uh, 712s that year. And I was actually the first person to be a part of a new program that they had brought to Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and so it was called uh, Opportunity Culture. And I was a lead, I guess you will say, coach at that time. Was working with teachers um, before and after school, and it was a it was a whole lot. <laughs> it was definitely yeah. a whole lot. And um, I think your biggest struggle there was coaching was so new ish around the country, and the best practices for coaching. You would always tell me it's not going to work here. It's not going to work with these kids. We have to take a different approach. And you were so practical and adjusted what need to be adjusted so that you absolutely. could be effective. Absolutely. That was one of the biggest components. And I still preach that today that yes, we can look at research-based um, practices. We can look at evidence-based practices, but you always have to take those practices and you have to adjust them, right? For the climate and culture in which you are working with. That is super <laughs> important. And people want to you know, a lot of programs that come out, especially like ELA programs and math programs, um, you want to have the fidelity, right? They're like, oh, implement it with fidelity. And that's great. Like we could utilize the components or we could utilize the um, everything that they are suggesting, but everything doesn't work because every single classroom is different. Every teacher is different. We're not manufacturing cups. I say that all the time. Like it's not where we are in an assembly line and every single cup is going to look the exact same. Um, what we're doing is, is that we're creating and we are bringing out the best in our students. And so teachers have to be creative with that. Um, and sometimes I think administrators or even big um, curriculum departments or uh, what do you call them? Uh, production houses, I call them. <laughs> you know, the big curriculum um, books and those types of things, they really feel as though if we do things robotic way, um, that it should work and it doesn't work in every single classroom. Well, yeah, we're in the people business, right? Yes. And if, and they're only thinking, how can I make this an efficient process? And we're not that way. We're not textbooks. You know, we're people with feelings, with different experiences, with different yes. personalities. And that's what makes coaching so difficult because you have to learn, okay, this is the best practice, but does it make sense in this scenario? And how could it look different? Um, mm -hmm. So where did you go after that? Or what town was that in? Or what city were you in? I was still in Indianapolis. Yes. All okay. of my work has really been in Indianapolis. Um, I was in Gary for about four years um, before I came to Indianapolis. And I've been here for the last 14, ooh, 14, yep, 14 years. So what'd you do after that role? Um, <clears throat> that school closed. <laughs> they uh that we went through a reorganization in our district and I ended up going to a 912 school. Um and so that first year was my coaching was really about bringing the staff together. So you know when they close buildings and you know people teachers are so I'm from this building and I'm from this building and you know they they're home and uh merging together. I don't like hush she this, you know, all mm. of that kind of craziness. So that first year was really about building a culture and a climate for that particular building. Um, and that year was interesting. We did a lot of, I had to build down and, and break down a lot of barriers. I had some teachers who had been teaching for longer than I have been alive, right? And they were still doing the same thing. 
like the same exact thing. And so some barriers of me trying to kind of change some of that or build those relationships um, and having them to trust me and then to trust that I had their best interest in heart. That was a big um, to do, I guess you will say. So that was that year. That was the year that I used to go in the car and <laughs> box you the whole time um, while we SOS. were while I was eating. <laughs> like this is what happened this morning as I pulled up. <laughs> you will not believe this. <laughs> yes, um, that was quite interesting. So we did that for a couple of years, and then COVID hit. Um, that that following year, we were implementing visible learning. So I think in 2019, we started to merge or move to visible learning. Um, and that was a real interesting transition because I had been at that school the year before and we were just building relationships and culture. And so now it was time for us to kind of change some of the teaching. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why I do love visible learning, I was just talking, I went to a dinner last night with a friend who's an educator as well. And we were talking about visible learning and she was saying how she didn't really like it. And I was like, I don't think you understand it. Mm. And so one thing that I really took away from the visible learning piece was kind of what I preach. Like you have to take some of those best strategies and you have to choose the best strategies, choose from the list, right? And then you implement it in a way and you're building your climate culture classroom. Um, the best way that you could. And that was what visible learning was all about, creating um, the best practices or utilizing the best practices um, in the classroom and putting together a mixture of practices that work best. Um, well, that's why so- things take time because the first year you're just trying to understand what are the different strategies I'm supposed to use. Let me make sure I do them with fidelity so that I can understand from top to bottom how it's ideally supposed to work. And then the next year you're like, okay, I've figured this out. Now let me make my own twist on it. So it fits me better and fits Mm -hmm. my kids better, but you kind Mm -hmm. of have to go through the, this is the ideal, follow the script until you can really grasp the point of it and then make adjustments. And I think sometimes we rush to adjust too fast that we, the strategy never works because we never really truly understood the purpose behind it. And, and then we're able to pull out the pieces that made sense for us. Definitely. And I also think that you have to have some type of support. Um, So as coaches, you know, our job is to support those teachers and teachers want to give up, you know, quite easily when it doesn't change Mm -hmm. immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. So one thing with coaches that I always like to um, give some suggestions around is to make sure that you try to get quick wins with teachers. Um, So being very as I call granular or micro, like really choosing one small thing to work on and getting those quick wins. So then you become uh, a part of that positive loop, right? That positive loop cycle. So then they can, okay, yes, I got this win. Okay, yes, I got this win. And so those things start to build up over time where then the teachers can then see a bigger impact because those small little grains, right? They all end up being a, a bigger impact. I like all your visuals, the way you make analogies and stuff. <laughs> like, yes, okay, that makes sense. I like that. You know, that's that now that is funny because that's one of the easier things for me to do is to kind of talk in analogies. Like related Weird. to life. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay, so where did you go after that? It's COVID now. Yeah, so it's COVID. I assume I'm still you're in the not same in place. a building. Oh. We're in the same place. So we we didn't go back like when COVID shut down in March. 
um, we stayed out. And then where other districts kind of went back in the fall, mm-hmm. we didn't. We stayed out. We tried to come back in October. <laughs> this was funny. We were there for like two weeks and shut down again all the way oh, to January. Um, and then, so really what I learned through COVID was how I could utilize um, technology even when I'm in the building. So mm. when we returned in January, I still kind of kept some of the same things. We still did POC virtually. Um, and one other thing is that I, I started to use Loom a lot. So doing my feedback sessions, one of the things that I started to do was to create video feedback videos for teachers instead of just typing or leaving a note of what it is that I saw, I would do a video. That's cool. And I would get on a video and say, hi, (laughs) thank you so much for letting me in your class. Um, Today was great. I got to see, you know, little Johnny and I got to see Tina and I got to see this person and they were doing this because what I learned is that a lot of times when you give feedback, one thing that uh, teachers struggle with was their perception of how you saw or how they're reading. Like their perspective is different when they're reading it. Right. And then another thing is, is that it also allowed me to just get everything out without feeling that other person's emotions. Right. So like they, if I was talking with a teacher and I was giving them some constructive criticism and then I saw them all of a sudden feel (laughs) funny or they have a body reaction or something happens and then it kind of throws me off. Right. So then I'm like trying to now comfort them and let them know Mm. that it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) but in a video feedback, I didn't have to do that. I just told them everything that I saw. I always started with something that was great and wonderful. And then I would give them some, you know, some of their deltas and ask some questions and different things like that. Then I would send them the, the video, the link with Loom. Um, in an email. One great thing about that is when they clicked on it, I got an alert that they watched oh, the video. Yeah, so they got the <laughs> feedback. I know so you listened. Like, <laughs> yes, so it's like, I know you got the feedback and I know that you had the opportunity to hear it. And so now at the end of it, I always had a call to action, right? It was like, hey, so let's set up a time or I'm looking forward to hearing what it is that's next. Um, and so now I can hold people accountable for my feedback. Um, So that was one of the biggest things like through COVID. Also, really drilling down to really focus on one thing versus being in a classroom and seeing like 45 things that need to happen, (laughs) but really focusing on one thing. Um, And I kind of talk about that now when I work with coaches is really focusing on, like I call it the simple core four, right? So creating that trajectory of things that you work with teachers on. Mm -hmm. So really kind of focusing, starting with that organization piece, like what's happening in the classroom? What's what's the communication? Is the teacher organized? Does the teacher even know how to contact parents? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, those are small things that we kind of take for granted that we don't think that, we think that teachers already know um, or they've already did or they've already created some type of system or those types of things in place. So kind of focusing on that organization and then moving to that management and culture piece. Um, so really kind of focusing on not just classroom management per se, um, but making sure like what's happening in the classroom, what are the traffic patterns? 
like changing traffic patterns in a classroom is huge. It's a small thing, but it makes a big change. Um, just looking at the change of traffic patterns, working with uh, teachers on how to teach students how to communicate with them, how to teach students how to communicate with each other. That's all about building that culture in the classroom. Um, it takes a little bit of time, but if you focus on one thing at a time, that really helps. And then moving into content and then instructional execution, like do teachers understand that unpacking of standards and what it is they're teaching and how to build a strong lesson and then them actually implementing it. Are they able to adjust? They're asking for checks for, feet, for understanding. You like all of those things. So many times as a coach, we kind of just go directly to that instructional execution component and we don't start with the smaller things that build to make that classroom a great or make teachers great. So those Preach. are some of the, those are some of the things that I've worked with um, teachers since, I mean, coaches with, since COVID and some of the things that I took away that we need to kind of work on with coaches during that time. Yeah. Like there's a sequence that makes sense that sets mm -hmm. you up for success, I guess. So Absolutely. going back to this COVID experience mm -hmm. and visible learning, that's got to be difficult when they're at home teaching through a screen. What ended up happening with visible learning? Oh, yeah, that kind of just went out the door. Okay. Okay. That was <laughs> we couldn't question. hold, we couldn't hold it. We couldn't hold on to it as much as we wanted to. But the good thing about it is that we did have the opportunity to go to look at the white papers and look at the different strategies and kind of pull for what we needed okay. um, from that. So then that following year, um, coming back from COVID. So we were back in January. We only did every other day. Um, so students came every other day and teachers were still teaching online and in person. So that was mm. <laughs> quite Jeez. interesting. Yes. That was, a <laughs> that was a quite idea. interesting. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The crazy part is because I was dealing with high schoolers. So I was dealing with high schoolers. We were in a low socioeconomic area. And so students during COVID got jobs. So they would be like at McDonald's working in on class on their phone. Oh my gosh. So it was such a different um, perspective. I didn't like, even think about that. Yeah, we had so much. So it was such a different dynamic. You know, them coming to school every other day gave them the opportunity to work every other day. Mm. Um, well, so that was, that, was, that was a blessing for them, but it also was a struggle for us because- they were no longer connected to school. Yeah. Right. So then it's we like go almost through college, like, yeah, definitely. Um, so then we go to the next school year, school is over. We get kids graduated, um, summer hits. We do a lot of PD kind of, you know, we're focusing now on getting back to the new normal, right. That was the whole trend. When we came back, it was crazy. Behavior was off the chain. These mm -hmm. past two years, behavior has been one of the number one things that a lot of people have been talking about. Um, last year was a big struggle with it. In high school, one of the things was that social media was a big part of it because they had not saw each other all together, mm -hmm. right? So some people were there on Monday, some were there on Tuesday, but they were right. never there together. Mm -hmm. So now all of the things that transpired during social media when they oh, were just sitting no. at home, Bullying it all each blew other. And, Absolutely. Know. So now we're in a building and fights are happening and threats are happening and people are doing this and parents are involved. Like it was completely crazy. And so during that time, 
um, as I was working with and, and helping coaches, I also was going through some personal issues at that particular time and really dealing with a lot of um, depression. And that was, that was crazy and that was weird. Um, and so I had to take a leave of absence. And so through that leave of absence, I've kind of been dealing with that and dealing with some personal things. Also, my son left and went to the military. Um, my whole 21 year old, can't believe it, but he's gone. So, you know, it was such a personal transition yeah. um, during that time. And I had to take some time away from, from work, but it also helped me to realize some important things that I had going on and that I really loved working with coaches specifically. And so during that time, a lot of coaches individually was reaching out to me. Um, and so I kind of leaned into that a little bit. Um, I did go to a virtual school. Someone had contacted me and asked me to help them start a coaching program virtually. So I did get an opportunity to work at a charter school and do some coaching and interventions. Um, so I had that experience, which was completely different than being in the school and transitioned to online because these students and parents actually chose online. So it was a different perspective and it was a like, kids actually showed up for class, mm, they better. you know, <laughs> because this is what their parents chose for them. Like, this is what it was a choice versus it being, you know, just a, a not, you know, where they were forced to do it. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good learning um, experience where, again, I took some of those technology pieces and learned a lot of tech world and um, apps and supports. Um, and then after that, I've kind of just transitioned out. So now I kind of just go and I speak at conferences and I um, work with uh, coaches. And you write books. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wrote books. So well, like we'll get to that in a books. minute. Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they, too, can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. I did want to ask you through all these different experiences, how has your philosophy of coaching changed or morphed based on what you have learned over the years or just being in different environments or different roles? What has changed? I guess I would say nothing really has changed in reference to, I've always believed that coaches were necessary. Mm -hmm. I've always believed that coaches help to bring out the best in you. And I always believe that we needed to focus on changing the connotation of coaches in education, right? So like in business, there are business coaches. In football, there are like 20 coaches on a team, like 20 coaches. And these are some are the best athletes in the world, right? They have coaches. They have someone who supports them and stands by them and gives them direction and, and reroute things and teaches them, right? They don't feel like they know everything. Sometimes we as teachers, or we feel like I'm gonna close my door. I've been teaching for 30 years. I know everything. Um, they also have the connotation, like if I'm assigned a coach, then I'm a bad teacher. But in reality, we all need those coaches to help bring us out, um, bring the best in us. Um, that's kind of just how we, we need to start to change the way that we view them. And so that's why I've always viewed us um, as that support to help bring the best out in teachers. Um, and I just, you know, through, through all of this, I think is, it just makes it more important to me <laughs> mm -hmm. to do this work. 
I know one of your major obstacles was health in terms of exercise and diet and lifestyle. And I know you've put so much time and energy into figuring out what works for you. So tell us, have you found the secret recipe to life or is that something you're still (laughs) focused on? Um, I know it really played into the depression and um, your feeling of success and all that. Yes. So mindset is huge. Get therapy, y'all. That's important. Um, My father passed away six years ago, like when we met, my father uh, passed away. And so, you know, that was a really hard pill to swallow. And it took some years of therapy to kind of go through that. Um, Accepting and understanding that depression can hit you and it's okay. You know, it's like, it's okay for you to kind of face it and work through that. Um, Exercise works. I am now officially 17 pounds down since I started. And um, so really working on that. Um, and then working on just me, you know, I, I was a single mom, three kids. I've been a lot of struggles. I was on, you know, section eight and food stamps and I did all of that. Like it was a real, real struggle. And so I've always put my children first. Um, and that was, I won't say a mistake, but I will say that I didn't focus on me and I didn't give me what I needed to be the best mom for them. And but so, now you, but now you do it. I think at the time you prioritized, I'm um, making sure they're in the best of the best schools, which that's yeah. always been big for you, no matter what the cost of getting them there, how long you had to be in the car, you know, they were involved in after school activities. That was big to you too. Um, and then there comes this time in life where it shifts and it's like, okay, now that they're older and driving themselves and, you know, off at college and stuff, you're now like, okay, I can do me. Yeah. But I also think that was a mistake. Why? I think that because I was so, so, you know, there's a saying that you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. I was pouring from an empty cup. And so it led to me being who, you know, just basically kind of destroying me. And so what I think if I talk to any, and I I talk to a lot of my friends um, who are younger, like, you know, you who have smaller kids and some other people that I I talk to, you know, the biggest thing is I say that you have to make some time for you. Like you have to make sure that you have that opportunity where you can give yourself 30 minutes of quiet time, or you need to give yourself 30 minutes of just getting on a treadmill or just doing a, a quick beach body. Like everybody doesn't believe in beach body, but I'm like it $30 do an exercise or even like do a YouTube, like on YouTube, they have, you know, little workouts that you get that exercise. You get that because it really helps with your mental. So I really focused on them, which was great, but I left myself out there to hang. Yeah. hang and and I was just thinking like, it how would you have even have time to take care of you, but to your point that you just made, you don't need a lot of time, but you consistently need to make time for yourself. So exactly. even if it's 10 minutes or mm-hmm. you know, 30 minutes, whatever nook and cranny you can find, you're right. We do need to put ourselves there because we'll get lost in the shuffle Absolutely. as you did. And now you're trying to make up for lost time and, and try and get back on track, which you have. Yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. It's taken me a couple of years um, to kind of get back into this space, but I'm really happy um, with just how it transpires. And, and then now I can see that I could be there for my children um, in a different way. So like, you know, Chrissy is all the way in Florida. 
just crazy. She's like 2,000 miles away <laughs> from Indiana. Absolutely. I'm so jealous. On um, She went back for Christmas break and she sends me a, a screenshot. and was like, oh, it's 30 degrees there. Got on a plane. It was 30 degrees. Get off the plane. It's 80. Oh, my gosh. With palm trees. <laughs> With palm trees and sun. So, yes, um, just, you know, I'm, I'm able to show up for them um, just differently. And so that's a challenge that I have for anyone who has small children. Um, just try to make, give yourself 30 minutes a day, even if that means you're waking up 30 or 45 minutes earlier than your family. Um, you know, try to make sure that you, you focus and give yourself that 30 or 40 minutes a day. And keep showing up, right? Because there's been plenty of days where you haven't walked or you haven't eaten correctly or, or whatever, but you are like, okay, tomorrow's I'm going to get back on and I'm going to figure it out. Like you don't have to have the perfect track record and no. you don't have to stop when you have one bad day or a week. That's just not right. Because there's been plenty of busy seasons where you're like, oh, okay, I've got to get back on this. Absolutely. And I've also learned through this. Um, and I know a lot of coaches probably suffer from this, like all or nothing, right? You're either all yeah. in yeah, <laughs> or it's nothing. Yeah. But when you fall off the track or you don't have time, like, just like you said, like, just, just start it over. Like, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, just don't give up. One of your big milestones that I'm so happy that occurred is all your work in coaching has allowed you this breathing room financially to the point you were able to build this, the most beautiful home for your family. And it's because of that hustle that I talked about. You don't stop. You don't take no for an answer. You reinvent yourself a million times. You're constantly trying to make something that would be helpful to other people. And you adjust, adjust, adjust until you find it just right. And because of that, you now have this life you could have only dreamt about. Yeah, but there's no one here. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a house that we we built together. Um, I can't say I did it all alone. I have a, a awesome partner who put in a lot of work for me um, lately. In these these last few years, he's really been a, a great support for me. But they're <laughs> they're all gone. So we got an empty house. Well, we have one one kiddo left, and then his son comes every summer. Um, in every break to visit. But just uh, so think of when you were last on the podcast, just how different your life was, how stressful it was. Oh, and yeah. all this hard work and dedication you've given to education has allowed you to pour into districts and states, you know, not just in your little corner of life. And because of that, you were able to, to have a better life for yourself. And I just, I think that's so amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, working, working hard and consistency and always being reflective and growing. Um, I think that's the takeaway from that, that experience that I have is like you said, and just reinventing, just not reinventing, but improving. Right. Yeah. So always being reflective um, as a, as a coach and as a person and then trying to get better. Um, and so that is the dream is for me to just become a better better Nicole today than I was yesterday, not being competitive to anyone else, but being competitive to myself, being a better Nicole the next day. That's awesome. And I know through writing books is one way you've been able to help more teachers. You can't get to every school, um, right. but the online world has allowed you to run your summits and create um, printables for coaches to use. And then your books really give them who didn't have proper training or really don't understand the vision for what coaching should be in a school has allowed you to impact even more lives. So 
explain how your first book has now morphed into the many that came after. <laughs> it's so crazy to hear you say all of that. I'm so like, <laughs> is this, this my is life? Right. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I so have a problem. I think you know that like with yeah. listening to all the things that um that I do because really I just kind of do it from the heart, right? For the for the work. So Simply Instructional Coaching was first published in 2019, along with us starting. And I say us because Gretchen was a big part of um, the inception of Simply Co- the Simply Coaching Summit. Um, but it started in 2019. Um, and I wrote the book out of, it's always a happenstance. I started a Facebook group, I believe in like 2016 or 17 or something like that. I was looking for a coaches group on Facebook and it wasn't one. And so I just like started one in like 30 days. I had over like 500 coaches in the the Facebook group. And so then they all start asking the same questions over and over. And it was all about like, I just got this job. I don't know how to start. Like, what is it that I do? Like, what is this? What is that? And so I had been keeping answers to those questions in the notes part of my iPhone. And so I would just go into the notes and I would start to copy and paste them in there. And so I was like, well, you know what? There's no guide. Like there's no question and answer guide. Like everyone is asking these same questions. Like, well, let me just put it in a book and put it all together. And so that's what I did. I ended up just taking all of those questions that people were asking me and then all of the answers and the experiences that I had, I just kind of wrote from my experiences, kind of just said, hey, this is what I did, or this is what you should do. And that kind of started <laughs> the whole book. So I kind of self-published that book. Um, well, it's so... and the night before, is this the book that you changed the night before? Yes, before publishing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she does. She has this best laid plan. And then she's like, nope, we're going to scrap it. We're going to start over. And it's like, she has a call in an hour or like five minutes or like the next day the book was ready to go. I'm like, what are you doing? That but... happened when we were at the, um, at the, the, the conference together. Remember I was getting ready to present <laughs> and I changed the slides, I changed your slides. <laughs> but that's how you do. You do really well that way. And thank God she changed it because she wanted to move it more into a workbook because she didn't want it to be a passive. Let me read it. Like yep. give me some space to jot notes or, or my thoughts and, people, that was like your number one feedback that they really liked that about the book, right? Yes. And you told me, you were like, Nicole, what are you doing? <laughs> it was a week. It was a week before it was due to go to, to printing. I mean, for it to ship. Jeez. Um, And I completely sat there and I spent like maybe three days and I completely changed the entire format of the book. Um, But yes, that was the number one thing that people loved about it. That change that I made. The book went on to sell over 3,000 copies in like three different countries, which was completely crazy um, that coaches really loved it. And so um, over the last year, um, the book was actually sought out by Solution Tree um, and Solution Tree. Yes. Love them. Love Solution Tree. Um, mm-hmm. But they re, we did a revision of the book. And so based on my experiences, like what we just said, I have always been, you know, revamping, regrowing, changing things that, that are the better just based on reflection and things that I, my experiences. Um, so that kind of morphed into me talking about the tier coach go model. Um, and that was kind of where teachers really, uh, I mean, coaches really needed a plan of action, 
right? They needed to tier teachers for support. They needed to actually complete coaching, right? To do the work and that they needed to focus on growing their teachers like through professional development. And so that was the revision of the book. And so I put that model kind of together. Within that model, the new book, uh, which was published last year, um, that is now being a solution tree was like, no, we want, we, we want you to, to redo that. So they took over the revisions or we are revising that. And um, that is published. Um, it should be published in a few weeks um, from this actual uh, podcast. That's and so the, that is the simple blueprint for instructional coaching. And so that is a six steps or six parts of getting started with coaching. It really gives you a blueprint. Um, the reason why I use blueprint is because what it can be adjusted, right? It's, oh, it, yeah. it can actually flow with anything. So if you guys are doing Diane Sweeney's um, student-centered coaching, or if you're doing Gym Nice Impact Cycle, or if you are working with some of my work, which I utilize PAR cycles, right? Which are micro cycles, um, trajectory micro cycles through the simple core four, like the simple blueprint will help you. The SIM um, is your foundations and the PLE is the work of coaching. So oh, simple. Got it. Yes. SIM, PLE. And so we uh, I've worked through that, that book. And then the final book that'll be coming out at the end of 2023 is called The Simple Core Four. Um, and that's really working on that trajectory of setting up a classroom for success. Um, and so that is the work of uh, me and the three books that I'm not doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, <laughs> I always like to ask what folks, you know, what's up for you next? But now that I'm looking at you with this microphone, is that a clue? <laughs> yeah. So we have launched or are launching um, the Simple Instructional Coaching Podcast. Woo! Um, <laughs> Welcome to which, the world of podcasting. Yes. Which is something that I think I talked about like several years ago, and then I didn't <laughs> want to talk about it. And then I was like, I don't want to do it. And then I do want to do it. But it's so much easier. I'm such a talker. Yes. <laughs> So I could talk for a very long time. So that is, um, I was like, well, let's, let's for the new year, um, launch the, the podcast and really start to um, get people um, quick. So my episodes are a bit different. They're going to be quick 20 minute strategies for coaches. Um, really quick. And I just kind of break down things that you can go and implement into your building throughout the year. So that, and then I'll throw in or mix in a little bit of interviews um, throughout the podcast. So soon we'll have Gretchen on to kind of talk about a whole bunch of stuff that always a lesson is always doing. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) I am excited for you. And by the time this podcast is released, your podcast will be officially out there in the world. Yes, yes. It it has been an interesting I thought that, so let me tell you this, Gretchen. I thought that starting a podcast would be super easy, right? I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy a microphone and then I'm just going to start recording. But it was not that easy. <laughs> that is life. When we start talking about sounds and echoes and right now, you guys cannot see me, but if you could see this picture, <laughs> I am literally under a blanket with a computer and a microphone. Oh my gosh. In the middle of an office. <laughs> 
trying not to hear the echo. <laughs> it has been so hard to be serious looking at you like this. This is my favorite moment of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. And I'm getting hot. Look, I'm turning red and everything sitting up under this. <laughs> well, blanket. we'll wrap up. Is there anything else you would like to share since they've last heard from you? Um, just one thing is, is like I said before, make time for you. Um, keep going. Um, change the perspective of what coaches you are needed, even though a lot of times we as coaches don't get the respect or the um, the accolades that we should. Um, but you're there to support teachers. You've been a teacher, you know, you've been in their space. So keep going. Don't give up and keep improving you. Such good advice. You're a wise old soul. You know that? Uh, I get I'm only... I'm only 21. I don't know. I <laughs> Me too. That's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, I love you. So glad to have you on again. I'll link all your stuff in the show notes so people can find you. Just go to alwayslesson.com. Click on podcast. You'll find her there. It's the 2.0 episode because like I said, she was featured before, but we are so thankful to hear from you and so happy for all that has come your way. You work hard. You hustle like no one else I know. And I'm just so glad to have you on the show. Well, I am so blessed to be a part of, of Always a Lesson in the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. And I love you, Gretchen. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. I mean, what did I tell you? Isn't listening to Nicole inspiring? And she's got so much wisdom to share. And by God, does she work hard? to give all sorts of materials, whether you want it in audio form now, or you want to read it in print on the blog, or you want to print something out, some of her printables. If you want to read it, you've got books. I mean, she is everywhere doing her thing, trying to make sure everyone feels confident and has clarity in their role as a leader of teachers. So I am so thankful for her friendship, her guidance, being a colleague of hers is also really amazing to push each other and learn and grow together. Nicole, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a guest. We absolutely love you on this show. Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast episode with guest Nicole Turner. Go out and be great because you've just been empowered. <laughs>